Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we approach your holy, eternal, and inspired word, we ask, Father, this day that you open our eyes to behold wondrous things for your word. For Christ's sake. Amen. In John chapter 12, at verse 13, we read these words. They took palm branches without to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed is the King of Israel. Today, Palm Sunday, marks the most important week in the Christian calendar, the Christian faith, and the life of the Church. On this Palm Sunday, we walk with Jesus Christ through the last week of his life here on earth, right up to the cross and beyond it on next Sunday to the joy and triumph of his resurrection on Easter Day, Easter Sunday. During the past few weeks, we've been looking at the events of the last evening in the life of Jesus Christ in the upper room. But this morning, as is appropriate on this Palm Sunday, we want to turn and look at the account of Jesus Christ recorded in John's Gospel about his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. The triumphal entry of Jesus Christ into Jerusalem is one of the few events that are recorded in all four Gospels. You can read Matthew's version in chapter 21, Luke's in chapter 19, and Mark's in chapter 11. But as we look at this event, we see, first of all, that Palm Sunday was a public event. The crowds had gathered in Jerusalem to acknowledge who Jesus was. They took palm branches, went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blesses he who comes in the name of the Lord, Blessed is the King of Israel. Very, very clearly, this public acclamation of who Jesus Christ and who he was. The word Hosanna means save now. Now these crowds who came for various reasons to greet Jesus in Jerusalem. They were visitors who came from outside Jerusalem. The next day, the great crowd that came for the feast heard that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem. Crowds came from living outside Jerusalem to meet and greet and see who Jesus was. There was crowds who had heard uh, about and known about the resurrection of Lazarus in the village of Bethany, a short place from Jerusalem. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb, raised him to the dead, continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had given this miraculous sign, went out to meet him. So those crowds who lived in Jerusalem from the nearby vicinity and from further afield who came to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover principally but also they came out of curiosity and they came to see this Jesus Christ and so they cry this word Hosanna blesses who comes in the name of the Lord Hosanna means save now Perhaps the crowds had a wrong concept of Jesus was. They saw him as the Messiah, their political liberator from the tyranny and oppressive power of the Roman authorities who were governing the country. But they did not see Jesus as he really was and why he'd come. He was coming in as a conqueror over sin and death on Good Friday and Easter Sunday. The deliverer and the bringer of freedom from the destructive slavery of the power of sin in people's lives. Jesus Christ came not as a political deliverer, but as a spiritual deliverer. So these crowds, yes, had come 
they come for varying motives. But also among the crowd were the religious leaders who were totally opposed to Jesus Christ. Yes, the crowds may have been curious about Jesus for wrong motives and for different ideas, but the religious leaders were very clear they were opposed to Jesus Christ. They were out to try and find a way that they could arrest him and kill him. In verse 10 of chapter 12 we read, So the chief priests made plans to, to kill Lazarus as well. For account of Jesus of him, many Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. And also they we read how they were plotting to kill Jesus Christ. Several occasions earlier in chapter 11 they were plotting to kill Jesus because many people they said were going after him and following him. They were filled with hatred, jealousy, envy toward Jesus Christ. They wanted a way to find to have him arrested and put to death. Several times in the Gospels read how they plotted to kill him but they couldn't because it wasn't the opportune time or particularly because of the crowd who had a great desire for following the teaching of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. So these religious leaders were suspicious of Jesus because of his popularity, the fact that they couldn't grasp who he was. In chapter 10, we read how they were asking Jesus who he was. How long will you keep us in suspense? If you're Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus enters into discussion with them. At one stage then, they are going to stone him because they accuse him of blasphemy. Again, the Jews picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many great miracles from the Father. Which of these do you stone me for? We are not stoning you for any of these, replied Jews, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Jesus answered them, It is not written in your law, I have said you are gods. If he who called them gods, to whom the word of God came, the scripture cannot be broken. What about the one whom the Father sent apart from his very own and sent him into the world? Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy? Because I said, I am God's son. Do not believe me unless I do what the Father does. But if I do it enough, you do not believe me. Believe the miracles that you may know and understand the Father is in me and I in the Father. And again they tried to seize him, but he escaped their grasp. The Jews were intent on getting rid of Jesus Christ. And so here was the opportunity. The crowds were God. Yes, they were very correct. The people were following after Jesus Christ. Uh, on account of him, many Jews were going over putting their faith in Jesus. And they said in verse 19, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Yes, little did they realise what truth lay behind the words that they said. Yes, indeed, Jesus Christ had come into all the world. And indeed, the whole world at that time seemed to be going after him. And that was the principal aim of Jesus Christ coming into the world, that all the world would come after him. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Yes, this crowd and the religious leaders among them were a mixed bunch that greeted Jesus Christ and stood by as he entered Jerusalem. They had misguided ulterior motives and ideas. 
They had outright rejection opposition to Jesus, which eventually lead to them changing their minds and crying out on Good Friday, crucify him, crucify him. We have no king but Caesar. What a contrast to say, blesses he who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed is the king of Israel. Don Carson writes, the crowds do not simply pronounce a blessing in the name of the Lord on the one who comes, but pronounce a blessing on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. The next line shows that there is a way the crowd understands their own words. Blessed is the king of Israel. Not a quotation of Psalm 118, but a messianic identification of he who comes in the name of the Lord. For us today, how does this apply to a modern-day crowd and to ourselves? Do we recognise Jesus for who he is and why he came into the world? Jesus, after all, is a sinless Son of God, a perfect sacrificial lamb who died obediently, humbly, as he sacrificed his life on the cross and shed his blood on the cross for our sins on our behalf, in our place. He paid the debt of sin we owed to God, which we could not pay. He now offers us, by his once for all perfect sacrifice, forgiveness of our sins. We are to have repentance towards God and faith in Jesus Christ. That is to be our response to Jesus Christ, whose name means Saviour. You shall call his name Jesus, for he save, shall save his people from his sins, the angel said to Joseph. So the crowd were about to and right to shout Hosanna, for it shows who Jesus is and why he came, the one who saves. But the cry needs to be more than just a cry from our lips, as the crowds did in Jerusalem, but really didn't mean it. It must be from our hearts. In Romans chapter 10 we read, The word is near you, it is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Palm Sunday, as I said, was a public event, a public unveiling and revealing of Jesus Christ, who he was and why he came. But it was not just by the crowd, but by Jesus himself. <coughs> Often in his ministry, he performed healings, and he told the recipient not to say who he was. Even the demons he cast out, he silenced them as they announced who Jesus was, the Christ of God, they said. And so Jesus silenced them, but they didn't, he didn't stop this time. Jesus had come to Jerusalem to die. In fact, Jesus set up the whole event. In Luke chapter 19, we read these words. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethany, and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why you're untying it, tell him, The Lord needs it. Jesus also had a room prepared. When the disciples asked Jesus, Where were they going to have the Passover meal? 
he said to go into Jerusalem and they would find a man and follow him and he would bring him to a room, the upper room where Jesus suffered, uh, su supplied and gave the last Passover meal and spent time with his disciples. So Je Jesus was very clearly orchestrating the whole event, but he's also fulfilling a prophecy that we find in Zechariah chapter 9 and at verse 9 when we read these words, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Jesus set up the room. He got the donkey, the colt, and rode into Jerusalem to fulfill Old Testament prophecy. You see, Jesus was very clearly carrying out all the events that had been foretold of him in the Old Testament when he came into Jerusalem on the Palm Sunday, right down to his prophecy in Zechariah about the beast that he would come into Jerusalem on. It wasn't a horse, for a conquering hero in those days rode on a great big conquering war horse. No, Jesus rode in on a humble donkey, the beast of burden, a lowly animal. And that was a picture of Jesus who would bear the burden of our sins. It was a picture of Jesus Christ who was humble and obedient to God's will, plan and purpose for us. We've often read and quoted those words from uh, Philippians chapter 2, how he was humble and obedient, even death on the cross. He became a servant. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to come and serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus Christ, yes, allowed the crowds in that day to acclaim him and proclaim him. He publicly allowed his name to be put forward as the Messiah. In fact, he even used the palm branches that the crowds used were a national symbol of peace and victory. So as Jesus rode into Jerusalem, they were already proclaiming his peace and victory to come to bring. Yes, their peace and their victory over the Romans but how much was a symbol of the peace and victory Jesus Christ had come to bring by his death on the cross. The victory over sin as he died on the cross, defeating it for all time by his once for all perfect sacrifice. And the victory he would bring about by his resurrection from the dead, triumph over sin and death, and offering us forgiveness of sins from his power and penalty, and offering us new eternal life, offering us his peace, a peace he said the world is going to give. He offers to all of us who come and place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So the crowds using the palm branches were giving this symbol, a symbol of what Jesus really comes to bring to all of us. And there's also a picture of what happened one day in heaven. In Revelation chapter 7, and verse 9 we read, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could number from every nation and tribe and people and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. What happened in Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday was a picture of the eternal genuine praise of God's redeemed people in heaven one day. All the people from all over the world who are praising God 
praising Jesus Christ, the victorious, conquering King over sin and death, praising the Lamb of God, the perfect Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus, as he rode into Jerusalem, knew perfectly what was ahead of him. He had already set his face resolutely towards Jerusalem, Luke tells us. He knew the fate of himself on the cross. He knew he would die, he would rise again, he would return to heaven again. He already has alluded to that in previous chapters uh, of John's Gospel. But he also knew the fate of Jerusalem. You see, Jesus, yes, saw the crowds adoring him, worshipping him, but he also knew what lay ahead for Jerusalem. He knew that it was a place whereby it would be destroyed by the Romans in AD 70, when they would revolt against the Roman authorities and they would be destroyed. In this passage in Matthew chapter 23, we read these words of Jesus as he weeps over Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who killed the prophets and stoned those who sent you, how often I've longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. And in Luke uh, chapter 19 at verse 41, we read these words. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you only had known this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The people of Jerusalem had rejected Jesus, just as they rejected the Roman authorities. And the punishment brought upon them was destruction of their city. So Jerusalem, yes, was a place Jesus entered, a place whereby he would die outside his city walls, but it was a place of rejection. The crowds would reject Jesus Christ, but laterally they would reject the Roman authority. That's his message, isn't it, of rejection of people of Jesus Christ. Today, as we reflect on Palm Sunday, what does it teach us? It teaches that Jesus Christ came into the world. He was born into it as a sinless Son of God. He was God in human flesh, yet without any sin. He completely and fully fulfilled all the Old Testament prophecies, all 300 odd of them, with regard to who he was, why he came, in his life and ministry, and now in his death, he would fulfill all God had said about his coming into this world. Jesus knew all that lay ahead of him. He knew in the future the fate of Jerusalem, as I already said. But importantly, he knew the hearts of the crowd. He knew the lips were not genuine in his praise. He knew they were fickle, they were easy led, and they would turn against him, and they would cry, crucify him, crucify him, instead of, Hosanna, blesses he who comes in the Lord, blesses is the King of Israel. You know, Jesus looks to our hearts. It's not our lips. He knows our hearts because he looks deep within him, like a deep uh, scan we can have when we're feeling ill. Jesus looks deeply into our hearts. And he sees how deep, how genuine and sincere they are in our praises of him 
and in our faith. If we've been part of a crowd on that day, what about who we thought Jesus was? Would we have been just merely curious about him to see him? Or genuine in our desire to follow him? Today, would we blend into the crowd and be part of the crowd, but a changing crowd, who one day praise Jesus Christ and another day turn against him? Do we stand out for Jesus Christ and stand up for Jesus Christ? Because you know, one day we will be part of a great crowd gathered before Jesus Christ, the judge of all the world. And will we be part of that crowd we read about in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, from all tribes, nations, all who are wearing the white robes of salvation? Will we be praising Jesus with our lips and with our lives? For us, for all of us, Palm Sunday is more than just another event recording the Gospels about the life of Jesus Christ. It has much deeper meaning. It is about a response to King Jesus. Do we truly or have we truly welcomed him into our lives as our King, Saviour, Lord and King? That's been the thrust of the hymns we have already sang and also the thrust of the hymns we will be singing and listening to at the end of this service. Today, Jesus stands ready to welcome you with joy. He, doesn't sta he does stand and weep over us, or does he welcome us with joy? Because he wants to gather us, just like the hen gathers the chicks underneath her wings when they're tiny. So Jesus wants to gather us into his arms. He stretched out his arms on the cross, but he brings them to enfold us in his embrace of love and welcome into his presence now and for all eternity. Remember these words of Jesus Christ in Jerusalem. Do not be like those who he wept over in Jerusalem and over their predecessors who rejected God and God's word and Jesus Christ. Remember the words of Peter. He is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That's God's desire for you and me. That's why he sent Jesus Christ into the world, patiently calling us, waiting for us to turn and trust in Jesus who loved us, gave himself for us. Or as Paul says, God wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. And so he gave Jesus Christ as a ransom for all mankind. The words of the Pharisees are so true. All the world was going after Jesus Christ. And God's desire is that you be part of all the world, now and in eternity one day. So again, I ask you, how do you respond to Jesus? Do you genuinely, within your heart and with your lips, welcome him, acknowledge him as your Saviour and King? Surely the words of verse 13 are appropriate. Hosanna, blesses he who comes in the name of the Lord, blesses the King of Israel. Have we, with our lips and in our lives, welcomed him, Jesus, crowned him as our Lord and King, and do we live for him, serving him obediently and humbly as our Lord and King, now 
and one day can look forward by our faith in him to serving him and praising him face to face in heaven. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we give you thanks this day for sending Jesus Christ for his obedience, his humility, and the sacrifice of his life, and the shedding of his blood upon the cross for our sins and for our salvation. May we truly welcome him into our lives as our Saviour, Lord and King, and live our lives under his authority for this life, and one day then see him face to face in heaven itself. In his name we pray. Amen. And we listened to our hymn, There is a Higher Throne.